You're listening to Eye on the Ball with Steve Rivera. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. In with me today, almost typically, uh, Mr. Tom Callahan behind the the spin doctor behind the mic on the radio, and then the other side back at the home office. I'm uh, at my house, the Rivera Casa, doing the show. Big show, I think, today. Uh, kind of a big show. Lots to talk about. Um, first, uh, I'm going to have uh, the CEO of the El Tour de Tucson for a brief moment. Uh, we had her on last week talking about open registration for the El Tour that's in seven months from tomorrow, exactly seven months from tomorrow. Uh, Charlene Grabowski, um, see how it went today with a lot of stuff going on locally. Um, I think that's one of the big events that we know for sure is happening. Uh, we haven't heard from UA football, UA basketball, all the uh, the minor sports at U of A. Uh, that dearly, dearly want to start uh, in the fall, but we'll see what happens given all this pandemic. And then at 6.30, we'll have um, the sports editor of the uh, Arizona Daily Star, Ryan Finley, talk about sports locally, uh, things going on. Uh, I think he had a story yesterday or today about the MLB possibly playing here in the near future. If they're going to play any uh, baseball this summer, they could come to Tucson. Uh, I wanted to get his gauge and how he how he felt about the interviews because you could always sense of their optimism. So we'll see if Tucson's going to be involved. I know they want to be. But Tom, you know I, you know how I know the world is ending now and, and things are kind of crazy? Not because of all the NBA and MLB and everything's you know, at a standstill, I'm here in my little room. You're back at the uh, office. You know how? How do you know, Steve? The World Series of Poker has postponed amid this pandemic. The world is ending. Not the World Series of funny. Poker. How are we going to give out the bracelet? The World Series of Poker. Exactly. It's funny because about what five six, five weeks ago, something like that, when all this started, five, six weeks ago now, um, the, they, the casinos were still going on. And the poker rooms were full and all that. Where, where else but the poker room would you find this crazy pandemic? Everybody's touching chips, moving back and forth. You're sitting one foot away from each other, if that, six inches from each other. I mean, it's a close quarters. Uh, if there's a haven for, uh, for pandemic, it's the poker room, that's for sure, and the casino. Yeah, they. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do digitally, uh, but boy, there's just something to poker and if anybody's ever played uh, and used chips when you play although my my great aunt used to play poker for nickels but when you push those chips in or you pull especially when you pull the pot out that's a that's a feeling yeah. you know Steve that is uh, I mean it's so important to just the guts and the soul of what what playing poker is all about so yeah I'd, I'd be completely concerned over something like that yeah, so now they're going to, we'll talk about, they're going to go online for a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, some of the games, a lot of the games, like they're doing most of the time anyway now, uh, everyone's playing online, and uh, see how that works. Apparently they had a big tournament here not too long ago, and they always had a record crowd because everyone's home not knowing what to do with themselves, so they're getting online and playing poker, which is not a shock to me because I've, I've never done it because it's, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too complicated with it. I kind of jo- enjoy the camaraderie and the the bs and the banter and the stuff like that and, and the competition and i really don't like the computer stuff so it's crazy i mean come on do you think now we are where oh, mid-march mid-april 
uh, started this in early March. And um, uh, your chances or your thoughts on MLB actually playing? What do you think? Of all the leagues that could possibly play, I could see MLB um, having a strong chance. Now, obviously, NASCAR has said they're going to try to go ahead. The PGA Tour has said they're going to try to go ahead. But out of the... Obviously, racing is different. You're in a car. You're as isolated as you could be. There's one man in a vehicle. Uh, Golf, I can see because they only go out in pairs anyway, and you really don't need to have contact with the other person. Um, But you know what, Steve? Team sports like basketball, football, baseball, hockey, these are the ones I'm going to see having a tough time, even with no fans, because there's so many guys on a major league roster. I, I, I just, I don't know. If you sequester everybody, you need, until you get widespread availability of testing, in my opinion, because you have to test everybody all the time, and if one guy gets it, do you shut it all down? I, I just don't see right, it happening right. until that's a thing. that's what started this in the first place. Right. Yeah, and that's what started this in the first place. The, guy, the guys from Utah got it, uh, and, you know, it rolled downhill from there. Uh, no question, in basketball specifically, you're sweating up and down the court. So, you know, fluids are exchanging all the time. Is it fair to say that people did not take this seriously until the NBA did? In or out oh, of sports? No no question. No question. And, and I, I understand the everyone says that's not going to happen to me. And, and hey, it's still happening. You can go outside and, you know, sometimes, uh, well, not most of the times, I don't see people with masks. I'm guilty of it a time or two. Uh, but I have mine. I wear it as often as I can and remember. Uh, but uh, yeah, no question. And it's always hindsight, you know, well, I should have done this, should have done that. Well, should have, could have, would have. Here we are. Exactly. You're not going to change it now. No, no, not at all. Um, see what else is going on. Oh, did you see, um, did you see the Jordan thing last night? I did not. Wow. You're the one guy. Because apparently everybody watched it. I watched it because, um, well, I'm interested. Obviously they had Steve Kerr on the team and Judd Bushler. I was fortunate enough to spend almost a summer in Chicago and Utah when they played in the finals in 97. So I, I was got to see some of the curtain pulled. That was the year that Rodman was, I think, wearing or wearing those uh, wedding dresses and, and seeing Madonna. I think that was it, if I can remember correctly. It's been 22 years, 23 years ago already. Uh, but at the time of my life, out going to Chicago and then going to Salt Lake, saw the flu game and then saw um, Steve, Steve Kerr hit the shot. Yeah, let's take a call if you'd like real quick. Line, we have Susie calling in from Tucson. Hey, Steve. Susie, hi, good afternoon. How are you? I have a question, and either one of you can answer, but if you say, you have to say, I know the answer, but not tell the answer and see if the other guy does. Who? Okay. Okay, Kadeem Carey, right? Yes. Who is he related to that lives, that is also part of the family here in Tucson? Okay, well, 100%, I don't know the answer, okay, <laughs> so I'm out on this one. Clues. Three Amigos. Please, because I don't know. John Elway. Say that one more time. Okay. You know there were the Three Amigos. Elway? Yes. Yes. Name the other two. Was it Kubiak? Three three Amigos. Was it Gary Kubiak? Oh, you're talking about... uh Uh-huh. And the third I know she's you're from Denver, so... Yeah, I know. And, I well, yeah, but know. you're from New Mexico. You should have liked the Broncos, kind of. No, no, I liked, I was a cowboy guy. I was a cowboy oh, guy. Okay, okay. Was no, not, that's true. I was okay, not an orange I'm crush gonna guy. I'm going to just tell you the answer. Vance Johnson 
the wide receiver is yes. his uncle. They're and all, nobody I, I, in I Tucson knows that. that or not. Yeah, okay. You said not many or a lot of people? I don't think very many people do know. I don't know that that's ever come out. I don't remember hearing that. I don't think that, it was. But, uh, yeah, Vance played here but, at well, U of A. Vance, you know, I mean, it was such a widespread, you know, of time. And, you know. Sure. And Tucson, half of Tucson people like Raiders and half, or I mean, Arizona. Before we had a professional football team, you know, not everybody was a Bronco fan. You know, it wasn't. Right. So it didn't right. matter to you're, a lot you're of right. people, that I was guess. A, that's a, I have to check if that's check oh, one. I'm sure it's true, but well, yeah, I didn't. you check. You tell me if it's not. I'll, I'll ask a couple Facebook. people because I had, I had Facebook. not heard that. Uh, well, I know okay, it's I'll true, let you know. You thank you. Me. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I will. Thank you, Susie, for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening, too. Hey, Tom, let's take a quick break and get a hold of uh, Shar and, and see what's going on with El Tour. Yeah, welcome back to Eye on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. And now on the phone, we have the CEO of El Tour de Tucson, Charlene Grabowski. Char, how are you? I'm great, Steve. Thank you for having me tonight. Yes, yes, yes. We talked recently and on today being a big day for El Tour. Uh, registration, new website, uh, a lot of new things. How did today go? It went really well, Steve. Um, so, you know, we have held off registration for over a month, given the coronavirus situation. And um, our registrants were clamoring and saying, hey, give us sort of something to look forward to. So uh, last year when we opened registration day one, we had 117 Registrants today, we are right at 133 for the day. So we beat last year's challenge, and um, we hope that uh, it'll continue. Yeah, no question with a lot of hours left in the day. So that's a good good, uh, yeah. good, good time yeah. for the people to kind of be positive. Right, right. I think that's really, but, you know, you mentioned something that's really important, Steve, is that we all have a responsibility to be responsible in this time, right? But I think because mm-hmm. our event is out in November, November 21st to be exact, that um, I think we will know more. I think we'll have more tests in place. I think we'll have guidelines, and um, uh, we're going to stay really close to that. But give some people some things to think about and to to have to wish and hope for, you know, something out there as a goal. Yeah, okay. And, well, it's seven, I don't know if you realize, it's seven months from tomorrow already, uh, or not already, but you have some time to, to get a lot of the uh, participants. I assume you, you're looking about 6,000, if not more, this year? Well, that's our goal, right? That would be flat to last year. Obviously, we'd like for that to be greater. But, you know, we've done so many new things, like a, a new website that's, not only contemporary, but it's informative and educational. And so, you know, we want people to be drawn to our website because we offer some value that they might not get somewhere else. And, um, you know, the, the registration tool is actually much simpler to use than what we have had in the past. And then, you know, we've created a new route this year. So um, our hope is that we will go south. We're still pending, you know, finest final jurisdictional approvals, but um, it, it, things are working. We, we haven't stopped, not for a minute, so to keep keeping the ball moving. 
Yeah, you talked about the working. I know you've been working hard the last few months already. Uh, a lot of things going into it. Uh, how, how was the buildup for the excitement? And was it? Is it sometimes the uh, the hype doesn't live up to the uh, actual event? How did that go? Well, you know, it's in the numbers, Steve. And I'm holding. I was holding my breath this morning to say, "Gosh, what'll happen?" So. We beat last year's record, so that in itself is good. But it's like we all want to be positive, but we have to be responsible. So I can't get overly excited and say, hey, everybody get out there and ride your bike and things like that, because I I think we just have to continue to say riding your bike is okay. The governor said that. At the same time, at a, you know, social distancing. So the days of... 15 or 20 riders in a pack, uh, kind of a Peloton environment, that's not happening these days. So we're, we're having to think about different ways to help people think about smaller groups, you know, one, two, three people, and they're six feet away, you know, as they're riding with each other. So, um, you know, I am, I, I have all of this positivity and enthusiasm and excitement and I just want to make sure that it's appropriately tempered with the environment that we're in. Yeah, no question. Maybe a couple last questions. Uh, if somebody wanted to register now, uh, they're paying, what, what's the charge one? And then where do they go? Yeah, so really simply, El Tour de Tucson, really simple, El Tour de Tucson.org. But um, you can go there. You'll hit our website, and then there's buttons all over the place to register. We have an early bird special going on right now, so it's $130 as compared to it moves to $145, and then we'll continue to climb month by month until we get to um, November. So El Tour de Tucson, and uh, come, come now because uh, it's your best deal of the year. Um, is there a chance? I know you're busy that day, busy shaking hands, <laughs> seeing what's going on. Do, are you going to write this thing? So I I knew this question was coming, Stevie. I knew it was coming. Um, however, so I went and registered today. And so for the rest of you folks, Steve and I do have the good fortune to work together. And so I showed everyone my registration today, and they're like, What? Don't you have a job to do that day? So who knows? Maybe I'll divide in two and one half will ride and one half will lead the organization that day. We'll decide. <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> you might have to do it, do it in fifths because it's really like busy something, day that day. Yes, something, yes. Well, thanks for joining me real quick. Uh, again, ltourdetucson.org and uh, $130 today to register. Yeah, Steve, I really appreciate it. And I, I really appreciate everybody out there who's been patient with us, waiting for us to come online. And then I'd ask you to continue to be responsible riding, but being uh, socially distanced responsible about this. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a great evening. You too. Thank you, Char. That was Charlene Grabowski, CEO of El Tour de Tucson. Uh, thank you for joining us. And Tom, and Tom. so let's go back real quick talking about the Chicago, the Chicago uh, thing last night uh, with Michael Jordan. Uh, so you didn't see it. You were the only one. I guess it had huge reviews. What else are you going to watch? It's fresh. Yeah, that's um, true. But that, 
And, um, you know, it was kind of like a captive audience. Everybody wanted to know. Um, but uh, you know what? The thing that struck me the most didn't, didn't involve basketball because basketball is competition. And, and we saw him, at least I did in person and, and otherwise, how good he was. And everyone's talking about who's the best. In my mind, he is the best or was the best. But they used the F word like five or six times and they didn't bleep it. Oh, that's interesting for broadcast TV. Yeah, well, yeah, for sports team. Yeah, I mean, it was like amazing to me. They I said, one. I said, oh, okay. Two. Oh, I said, wow. Three, four, and five. I'm thinking, well, I guess this is pretty raw. I wonder if because it's a documentary, it. you can get away with it. I don't know because, well, you, you've, I've seen it on um, FX a few times. I don't watch that station very often, but when I've caught it, it's like F this and F that. Like, wow, I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's cable. I don't know. It's just news to me. Uh, very surprised. Yeah, I kind of think of that more as an but, HBO uh, first, type thing, you know. Right, right, right. No question. But the first two hours were pretty good. Um, I think I saw a lot of things on Facebook and in social media that people were amazed and really enjoyed it. A lot of the younger people, uh, maybe a little younger than you, uh, had never really seen him as much. Uh, because they're in the Kobe Bryant uh, era and now the LeBron James era. Um, but uh, Michael Jordan... Not a bad player when he was playing in the mid-80s to, what, uh, early 2000s? Yeah, and it's it's interesting, Steve, because my pro basketball wheelhouse, when I actually really liked and followed the NBA, was from probably the early 80s up until the early 90s. So really that decade. And obviously Jordan was, was dominant towards the end of that period of time. But, um, you know, it's funny with me, you either loved Jordan or you hated him. And, and being in Buffalo where we hadn't had a basketball team since 1974, you were a free agent and free to pick whatever team you want. Well, I was a Lakers fan. Um, And all of a sudden, it really annoyed me that all of these people who were fans of other teams all of a sudden just jumped on that Bulls bandwagon. And all of a sudden, the Bulls are the biggest thing going when Michael Jordan came around. So I kind of I I took the the opposite side of the street from 90 percent of basketball fans in in my area. I was anti Jordan. I just I was like, well, no, mm -mm, I can't I can't stand this guy. Plus, you know, he he was putting my Lakers out of power. Right, 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 right. No, of course. Uh, and before him uh, was well, not during him was Michael, uh, Michael, uh, Michael uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, and all these guys that were you know not on the way out, but you know just in their prime as well. And here, this young kid named uh, Michael Jordan coming in and scoring 50, 60 points a game, uh, just hating to lose. I think that's where we're going to find out in the next few days, few shows. Or how much how much he disdained losing, and you you found a little earlier in the first two shows, but I think you'll see that more and more. Um, him fighting with teammates and getting on them for a lot of different things, kind of testing them, you know. Yeah, and you know what, Steve? Like thinking back to that era, we've seen dominant players since, uh, but to be a dominant player in an era of other dominant players, and you just named a bunch of them, and I could name probably. 15 or 20 more Hall of Fame caliber players from that era, that is something special. Yeah, no question. Um, it, it was great basketball, too. To me, 
not so much in its purest form, but to me in its fun form. Not to, not to say that uh, what we watch today is bad. I like the Golden State Warriors, how they play. Free-flowing, uh, run and gun uh, on the perimeter. You really don't need a center anymore. Centers are becoming obsolete, especially uh, in the way that they play. And other teams are following suit. Um, and then the athleticism that the kids have today. Uh, very, very, uh, well, better than ever athletically. I can quantify what it is that I like about that era of basketball very easily. And to me, it's just that spark of competition and the fact that you wanted to go out there and pound every team into the ground every night because they had an outstanding player who you wanted to beat and you wanted to be better than. I don't think it's that way anymore. I don't feel the competition level is as high as it used to be every night in the NBA. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and I didn't really pay attention to that that much. I didn't really watch the NBA until I had to. Does that make sense? So it's hard to kind sure. of compare the two. Uh, it's just different basketball. Even the kids today, you know, come on, uh, with uh, the kid from Duke who's now uh, in New Orleans, uh, Williamson. Um, it's just the talent's different. Um, back then it was more, you know, like Detroit, the bad boys, they'd beat you up and then take names and be happy with that, bruise you up and intimidate you. Now it's more finesse and more athleticism. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, teams that had different styles, and, and Detroit, as you say, was the bad boys, and they were the physical team. Um, you know, Detroit and Chicago had some epic battles, and of course, you already talked about Lakers and, and Celtics, and um, you know, there was so much talent all over the place, and, and you know, guys like Ewing and Dominique Wilkins, and, and I'm going to try not to go through all of them. You look at the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, just man, so many good teams for so long, and again, Jordan was the guy who was dominant in that era. And I don't buy the arguments of people who try to say, well, you put that person in today's game and I just don't think they're as good. Look, it is a different era, but I disagree. I think if you were an athlete then, you're an athlete now. Yeah, no question, no question. Just remember the uh, the draft status. Uh, he was third guy picked. Uh, Portland screwed up and picked uh, Sam Bowie, him and his bad legs or feet, and uh, the rest is history because he went third to Chicago. Yep. Can you imagine? Uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's an all-timer. Yeah, no question. That's one of the, uh, yeah, do your homework or whatever. Sometimes it's best to go with the best player rather than what you need. Tom, are we going to go to a break right now? Yes, sir. We can? Let's take a break here at halftime and come back and talk to Ryan Finley on the other side. Hey, welcome back to Eye the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. And now on the phone, I have the Arizona Daily Star sports editor, Ryan Finley. Ryan, how are you? Steve, I'm doing good, man. How are you? Fine, thank you. Busy, 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 as you are, I'm sure. Lots going on, even though sports is still in the back burner. Lots going on. Yeah. How has life been for you uh, in this pandemic? Is it more trying to chase stories or, or find stories? Because uh, typically you know, the stories are happening because you have games. Sure. It's almost sure. Yeah, yeah it's strange. You know, the, the slowest part of our year is usually between, let's say, June 1st and July 31st. Okay. So June and July, right? There's no real sports going on unless it's the College World Series or the Women's College World Series. And, and during that time, I typically assign projects to each of our reporters and say, hey, you know, give me a, a week-long series on this, right? And it can be anything from a look at history to, you know, burning questions to ranking returning players on the football roster, stuff like that. And 
you know, it just feels like this is going to be our new reality, at least until sports comes back. I mean, I started assigning projects, gosh, on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> and, you know, we're just now kind of starting to roll them out. You know, Greg Hansen has a project that starts in Wednesday's paper. Um, we have a high school project going on right now. So it's really, it's, it's a lot of sort of journalism, school journalism. It's calling people. It's asking, uh, it's asking around. It's trying to break news any way you can and, and featuring people who deserve to have the light shine on them a little bit. And in many ways, it's, it's harder, but it's refreshing, too. I mean, we have a series coming up with my colleague, Caitlin Schmidt. She's profiling something like 30 high school athletes who had their seasons taken away from them this spring. And, you know, to have sort of the time and uh, the, the manpower to, to shine a light on those kinds of athletes, uh, that is the silver lining uh, with what we're dealing, on right, we're dealing with right now uh, in the world. So it's been good, but it's also been sort of fun in a way. Yeah, well, you took a pen to paper, uh, I guess, last night, or at least uh, fingertips to keyboard. Did a story on MLB possibly coming here. Uh, what did you get? What sense did you get on the optimistic view from Gibson and the rest of them mm -hmm. that it could possibly happen? You know, I think that something could possibly happen. It's just a matter of, hey, what is it, right? And it ran in, in Sunday Star. Uh, basically, what, what people from Visit Tucson and from the county have said is that they've reached out to Major League Baseball and said, hey, if this Arizona-only plan comes to fruition, we'd like to be involved in whatever way we can. Um, realistically, Steve, I, I can't see... Tucson hosting a bunch of major league teams and playing games here. I, I just don't think that jives with what I've read about the plan, which is to keep everybody in Phoenix, right? I mean, the plan is put every major leaguer in the right. city of Phoenix to include Tucson. I mean, you might as well include Yuma or name another city, right? Flagstaff. Um, it makes about as much sense. I think where Tucson really has an advantage, though, is they have fields. The city has fields. The county has fields. Um, I think that they do have the connections to really reach out and, and try to get people to come down here. And, I mean, I could see them participating in the following ways. I think you could have minor leagues or whatever sort of a taxi squad baseball decides to carry because you're going to need minor leaguers, right? I think that Tucson could pitch itself as sort of the minor league headquarters, during all this, this is where you're going to stash your six or seven minor leaguers who could get called up in the case of injuries or sickness. Um, I think you could see this as a place where there's abbreviated training camps held for Grapefruit League teams. Uh, keep in mind, I mean, half of these teams are going to be coming from Florida if this is the plan, right? I think Tucson could open itself up for sort of two weeks of or three weeks of quarantine spring training um, at High Corbett or at Keno Stadium. Um, and I think that you could see them expand sort of their relationship with the World Baseball Classic and turn it into something. I, I don't know. Maybe it means getting the World Baseball Classic to sort of headquarter here. You know, they were going to have um, prelims here in March. Um, they got canceled. Uh, so that's where I think we're going to see it. I don't think that Tucson's necessarily going to host Major League Baseball games. But I think that Tucson's really well positioned to catch some of the spillover that will happen if all of a sudden every Major League Baseball sporting event is happening in the city of Phoenix. And I think Tucson is realistic, and I think that they're optimistic that they can be part of all this in some way. 
outside, because uh, you're in this business, I've been in this business, outside of the TV coverage, and I'm assuming they'll have TVs at every game, showing every sure. game, you know, it's kind of engaging for the fans. How, how do you think the newspaper world will be involved? I, I've thought about this, right? You know, if they decide to start playing games, can we cover them? <laughs> should we cover them? I mean, of course we should, right? If, if Phoenix becomes the center of the sports world, and if it's open to newspaper journalists, Steve, I'll tell you right now, I'll send everybody on my staff to Phoenix, for at least on opening day, right, and spread them out. <clears throat> but the question is, is, you know, how can you do it while still being sort of quarantined and safe? Um, you know, will all interviews be done over the phone? Will all interviews be done on Zoom? Um, I don't know, but these are things that we're thinking about. I mean, Steve, I think about broadcasters, right? You know, if you're the if you're the um, if you're Steve Berthium for the Arizona Diamondbacks, are you embedding with the Diamondbacks throughout all of this, or are you sitting in a studio somewhere calling the game live off of your TV feed? Um, these are sort of the logistical questions that we're going to have to deal with if if Major League Baseball decides it's serious about this Arizona plan is is who is in and who is out, and. I don't know what that means for media. I would hope that media would be in, but that's also, my goodness, quite the commitment. Um, you know, if you're a beat reporter for a team basically saying, I'm going to go live in a hotel for three months or four months um, and see the same people every day. So we'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, it's one of the great right, unknowns, right. I think. Yeah, no question. You'd be in the same hotel, likely, and not having to get out or not getting out. Um, and you know what? The baseball, you know how it is. You, you show three hours, four hours before the game, mingle, sure. talk, get your uh, get your notes, get your stories sure. lined up, watch the game for three, three and a half hours, and then you're on deadline. And then guess what? You do it again for uh, do it again. And then you do it again. It's Groundhog Day, right. And, and, you know, and Steve, you know this. I'm, I'm a baseball guy. I, I like baseball a lot. Um, to me, one of the big advantages of covering baseball is the FaceTime that you get with players and coaches four hours before the game. It's the kinds of interviews you get with that access, right? I can't see that access returning short term. I cannot see open locker rooms and open clubhouses. Now, I hope, as a sports editor, I hope to God that we push so that as soon as, you know, we get back to normal, that the access returns the way it used to be. But short term, I can't see that access being the same that it used to be. Yeah, no, no question. Things have changed dramatically. The business changed, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, and that's just even more so. How has it been, and everyone knows I was at the Citizen, uh, and now you're, you're at the Star, you've been there for a while. Uh, sure. How has life been at the paper, given the circumstances uh, of the environment of newspapers? You know, there are challenges. Um, I, my goodness, I interned at the Star in 2002. And it's now 2020. So I've seen a lot. I mean, our newsroom is about half the size, maybe, of what it was. Um, a lot of things that we used to spend a lot of time doing, we just don't do anymore, right? I mean, we don't compile our own high school statistics. <clears throat> I saw something today. I was looking back at an old star from 1993. Every Saturday, somebody at the star updated the, every record for every college football team in America. Right. I mean, I can't imagine the time it must have taken to do that. And it ran over two full pages in the Star every Sunday. Um, To me, you know, those are the kinds of things we really had to sort of try to to work smarter. And that is, who do we focus on? Who are we here to serve? And, you know, for me, that's local, local, local. Um, I wish our high school coverage was 
was better or more than it has been. Um, but, you know, I, I challenge you to find a, a paper our size who covers college athletics better. I mean, I think that that, that is our bread and butter. And, and, you know, my goodness, if the Roadrunners come back or the Sugar Skulls, you know, next year or even this baseball thing, I would hope that we would approach those sports with the same tenacity that we approach the U of A. So, yeah, it, it's, it's different. But, Steve, you know this. It's fun. I mean, I'm... I, I don't dread yeah. going to work, <laughs> and I like the people I work with. And um, when it comes to that, you know, I'm very lucky. You know, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm walking around talking to you wearing you know basketball shorts and a t-shirt, and it counts as work. Um, and in that regard, I think you know we both picked a pretty good business um, for that stuff. It 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 doesn't feel like work hardly ever, and, and that's what makes it fun. Along those lines, I've always said that the best part of the job are the hours. Mm-hmm. The worst part are the hours. Are the hours. Uh, and I say that now that uh, with the, with the, with the, yeah, right, right. With the internet, uh, you have no deadline, pretty much. You're on or, deadline. Or you're always on deadline. You can look at it that way, too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're all, yes. you're always uh-huh. under the gun. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, yeah. No question. Either you're tweeting it, you're Facebooking it, you're doing something, Instagramming it, or, and then getting it in the paper the next day. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it's crazy. I mean, we have, and you know Justin Spears and Alec White, two of our young guys on staff. I mean, these guys during the day, yes. I mean, a lot of what they do is wait for breaking news, and when they see it, they post it as soon as they can. And oftentimes, the person who's writing our update on our website could be a different reporter than the one who ends up writing the story for print. And so, you know, you're constantly chasing your tail in this profession, trying to get everything up, trying to figure out who are we trying to serve here. Um, you know, some, something like there's an ESPN poll today that says Aerie McDonald should be the second best player in women's college basketball next year. I think that that's a talker. And so, you know, we got that up as soon as we could today. Um, it's probably three sentences in print tomorrow. And so, you know, you, to me, in my job, it's constantly juggling, well, you know, what do we think will do well online and, and where does that belong in print? And uh, that's a real, I mean, that's been a real adjustment, uh, frankly, as the sports editor is trying to figure out sort of what goes where. But, uh, yeah, you're right, Steve. It's always on deadline. You're, you can never, back in the day when I first started, uh, when you went to press at night, you could sort of relax for 18 hours. Uh, you can't really do that anymore. It's, you're always on deadline. Yeah, no question. Uh, you were talking about Arizona. Uh, we, I'm going to go extended time here. Um, sure. You've seen some good teams. You've seen some bad teams. In fact, you've covered many here uh, in your time in Tucson. Um, yeah. The football team, uh, there was no question that they needed the spring practice. No, mm-hmm. without question. I think that's mm-hmm. undisputable. Sullivan's third year, uh, he, he has a lot to prove. Um, how detrimental is not playing for him? Uh, right detrimental. Uh, very detrimental. Um, on the other hand, I think that, you know, it, I think that the financial troubles that this coronavirus will bring on probably means that you're not going to see as many coaching moves going forward. <laughs> so if we're talking big picture with Kevin Sumlin. Yes, this is going to hurt his team's ability to grow. But there might be a, a small element of job security in it, too, because I don't think that you're going to see as much coaching movement now that the money's not there for buyouts. Um, so there's that. Yeah, it's This football team and this football program, Stephen, you know this. I mean, it's just a little strange. I think at some point the question becomes, what's your identity, who are you, and what are you trying to do? And I'm not sure we saw that with the Kevin Sumlin-Khalil Tate experiment. I think Khalil Tate tried to be the Khalil Tate of the Rich Rod era, 
and Kevin Sumlin couldn't pull him because the guy was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I think this year but, coming up yeah. is when we see what Kevin Sumlin thinks Arizona football is and what their identity is going to be. And we'll see if it's good enough. Um, yeah, I think they're going to improve in part because of the stability under center. Um, but you're right. I mean, you hit the nail on the head by not having spring ball. I mean, how many wins are they costing themselves? Uh, I, I, I would say one or two at least because uh, this is a team that needs all the, all the practice and all the together time it can get. Right, right. Let's go quickly to the basketball team. Obviously, um, a tough year. I'll say tough year, inconsistent. Uh, a lot of little issues, maybe big issues. Uh, people were still optimistic they'd make a run. You know, Tucson is always, you have a chance to make a run. I'm not sure they would have done that. But uh, but what did you see in this? And Bruce does a great job of covering it day to day. What did you see? Because if you're going to be consistent, don't you think uh, that's part of the success? And they just weren't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll rip off an old saying, right? It's dependability is an ability. Reliability is an ability, right? I mean, the fact that Arizona wasn't necessarily reliable game in and game out, I think really, I mean, from a, a fan standpoint, I think fans didn't know what they were getting, right? Arizona would look like a world beater on a Thursday and then struggle on a Saturday. Um, I think the lesson we learned this year, Steve, and, and you know this better than anybody, I, it takes all kinds of guys to make a good team. And, no you know, question. No question. I, people saw three likely first-round picks coming in, and they saw Sean Miller, you know, really, I mean, be proud and, I mean, almost boastful of, of this freshman class. And they thought, well, you know, this means Final Four or bust. Uh, but you look at it, Arizona was picked to finish fourth in the league. Uh, you know, the league's reporters and, and the people who have been around a lot know that it takes more than just good freshmen uh, to be good. Uh, you know, it takes a mix of veterans and transfers and old guys and, and sort of glue guys. And, and I just, I'm not sure Arizona had that right mix this year. Um, I think, ironically, they might have a chance to be better next year because they're are more of those kinds of guys, right? I mean, you look at Akinjo, the transfer from Georgetown. Uh, you look at Brown, the transfer from Nevada. At the very least, this is going to be a more mature team. And then you mix in, you sprinkle in those freshmen where all of a sudden you're not asking three guys to score all your points. Um, to me, that was the big lesson learned from 2019-2020, which is that just because you have good freshmen uh, doesn't mean that you are a Final Four contender. In fact, the more veteran players you have, the better of a chance you have, I think, to compete. And I think Arizona, for better and worse, will be a little bit older next year. And maybe that means that, you know, they have a chance to make a run. Uh, maybe last question. We're uh, mid-April, uh, one, two, three, about three and a half months from maybe the kids coming back for football. Are you, are you thinking that there will be no football? The optimist in me, Steve, wants to think that there will be football. Um, I'm home with three little kids every day. The optimist in me wants to think that they'll be back in school on August 8th because I'm not sure I could stand it <laughs> if they're not. Um, you know, it's, I want to think that there will be football, but I think that we need treatment. You know, people talk about a vaccine, and certainly a vaccine is a very big deal. Um, but I think that if we can, over the next couple of months, find a treatment for this thing so that it's just not killing so many people, um, I think you could then, with restrictions bring students back to campus. I think you could, with restrictions, get large crowds together in stadiums. Um, you know, maybe at Arizona Stadium it won't be 50,000 people, but look, it's probably not going to be 50,000 people anyway. 
Um, I, I think you would need to spread. Pe- I think that you would need to spread people out, right? Every other row or something like that. Right. Right. Uh, I, I think that there's still a real possibility. And again, and I've been thinking about this since the day the NCAA tournament was canceled. There is so much money at stake from a sports standpoint that I think they're going to explore every avenue to get back. And uh, you know, maybe. You know, who knows? A lot can change in the next couple of months, but I'm optimistic. I think that they're going to try to play one way or another. And if that's the case, college athletics as we know it might still look the same a year from now. If there's no college football, Steve, you know this. You, it's going to be devastating for the industry. There may not be college tennis or college golf if there's no college football because college football is such an economic driver. So, you know, it's, I, I think everybody is hopeful that something will come up that will allow large crowds to gather again in the fall. You you took the Sean Miller approach to my question and didn't answer it. <laughs> I, <laughs> in terms of, you gave, you gave me an answer, but you didn't give me the percentage. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? I'd say 60-40 so that there is. I, I, w- I would. I, I, I think 60-40 yeah, uh, that there's football. Um, they have such a long sort of runway to, to come up with a plan here. You know, I mean – Games won't start until the last week of April yeah. or of August. I'm sorry. And really, if you wanted to push it, you could say we're only playing conference games this year. And if that's the case, you know, I think that you could. I mean, all of a sudden, that's maybe October. Um, I would hope that by October, the people would be gathering and there would be enough out there that would allow them to do so. Right. Right. No question. No question. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining me. Good to talk to you. Anytime, anytime. I appreciate it. And really, I mean, uh, thank you again for continuing to be on the air and uh, for keeping it going. I, I know better than most. It's, it's kind of hard to come up with sports when there's no sports going on, but, uh, but you're doing a great job. So thank you. Great. Thank you, Ryan. We appreciate it. Uh, uh, thank you very much. I will take a break here on 1030 The Voice. Hey, welcome back to I on the Ball here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Steve Rivera. And with me, Tom Callahan. Good to talk to Ryan. I hadn't talked to Ryan on the show at all. Uh, always kind of waxes poetic on a lot of different subjects. I gave him the Sean Miller treatment. He talked long, but didn't give me an answer. Needed numbers. Needed numbers. <laughs> hey, yeah, Tom, I get, I, <laughs> I'm a numbers guy. Uh, 60 I think that's about accurate. You know, we'll soon see the next, uh, what's the, by June 1, uh, how this is all going to progress and you're already seeing that people are antsy they need to get out or want to get out uh, but other people saying you know it's one half done doesn't one doesn't the other people say no we can't because we have to be careful um, I'm probably in the middle I've always been in the middle too many times uh, saying we have to kind of be patient uh, yet uh, eager if that makes any sense but I saw just a, a study here that uh, 53% uh, uh, the 53% of the major sports events originally scheduled for 220 are likely to take place uh, this calendar year 53% so we'll see what those are and he made a good point you know with the Major League Baseball going to Phoenix What's going to come of the minor leagues? Because the major league baseball players, or the players, get hurt, get sick, get a lot of things, get traded, yada yada. So you need backups somewhere, right? They probably wouldn't be playing, but they need to be made available. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you need to have expanded rosters. To be quite honest with you, but that also means infrastructure-wise. If you expand the rosters, I don't know, by ten players a team or fifteen players a team. Right. Now you multiply that by 30 teams, and now we're talking about 450 guys. Right, right. There's a lot of people here who make a lot of money thinking about this because there's a lot of 
things they have to think about. Rosters, like you said, um, putting them up for four or five months, four months probably, in a spot where they're, they're kind of not familiar with, if it's Phoenix or in Florida somewhere. Um, wow, wow. Uh, we're we're just in a weird situation. I still remember that day uh, you and I were in the studio and things were going down that Tuesday and Wednesday, I think, and I'm thinking, I can't believe this is happening. And it's only gotten worse, so it seems. Yeah, I, we broke that news on the show that the NBA was suspending the season at the time. And um, you know what, Steve, this is, it's it's not going to get better anytime soon. And to your point you were making earlier, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people who are trying to play it both ways and might be on the fence about where things are going. But look, at the end of the day, me personally, I do not want this thing. I will do what it takes to not get it. And you know what? No I've, question. I've been I've been hunting to try to get back to a full-time job for a couple of years. And I know there are people who are down on their luck right now and that are struggling along. And you know what? It sucks. And my heart goes out to every single one of you. And it's it's horrible. My hope is, on the other side of this, that we are stronger economically, physically, mentally, whatever it takes. Um, there's always going to be some clowns out there who who mess things up. And, and you know what? That's just the way it is. But uh, yeah, who knows, man? Sports is going to be – it's always been discretionary income that fans spend on sports. It's always been that way. But when discretionary income is lower – then people will spend less of it on those other things because it's important to catch up on your mortgage or your rent or your 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 payments or your utilities. Those are your necessities. You got to put food on the table every single day. I honestly, Steve, think coming out of this, we're going to see the death of several minor league teams in all sports and possibly some leagues may go by the wayside at the single and double A equivalent levels. Yeah, no question. I don't disagree with you at all. Hey, uh, we have about a minute or two, right? About two minutes. Uh, we I have yet to talk about the new recruit, Arizona, uh, finally signed, Kerr Krisha. Uh, last week we talked about it right before the right before Thursday's meeting, I think Thursday's um, show, and you were not on it. Then I talked to Tom the next day. Uh, they got a guard out of Lithuania, a pretty good guard, probably one of the best international players. He's not a great scorer, but he can play the guard position in a – and in, in if he comes here, he's going to be in, in a, how can I say this, a backed up role because there's a lot of guards here. Uh, my guess and my sources tell me that there'll be a big man possibly coming from Europe as well uh, down the road. I don't know when, but soon, um, possibly, uh, if it happens. So they'll get a couple of, a couple of foreign players here uh, from overseas and then to mix with the guys now. Um, it won't be a bad team. I mean, it's going to be a different team. Uh, no NBA guys, but uh, we've saw we've seen how that's gone for Sean. Maybe these guys will be coachable, more appreciative of what's going on. I was going to say, I don't think that's a bad we'll thing, Steve. I think it could be better. And I'm yeah, more interested well, in wins. We'll know when we get there. Yeah. Yeah, no question. We'll know when we get there. In fact, I, I had something on Facebook uh, a day or two ago, and someone said, oh, good, a guy who can shoot and score. Well, I don't. Uh, we'll know when we know, because haven't we heard this before? These five-star recruits come in and they're supposed to do this and supposed to do that. Did you see them do this and do that? In a lot of cases, no, we don't see them do this and do that. <laughs> right. Sometimes they're not, uh, they don't live up to the hype. Uh, we've seen that tons of times in a lot of different things. Um, we'll see. I, I always take a, a tempered approach now because I've seen it all, uh, especially from the expected to really good guys. Tom, thanks for joining me today. We'll see you soon. 
Yes, sir. I will be here tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, listening here on 1030 The Voice. See you tomorrow.